Well, hey, everybody, you guys know that I've been talking about what's been happening in our public schools for decades and the last eight years for sure here at the show. And today I have a giant in the movement on the show with me. I am a super fan of today's guest. Rebecca Friedrichs is part of a movement to restore the voices of authority and parents and teachers in America's public schools. This is going to be a powerful conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. This is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me. If you haven't yet become a subscriber to the show, you're going to want to do it because after the show today, Rebecca's going to come back for happy hour and we're going to do a deep dive and find out a little bit more about Rebecca Friedrichs, kind of what the passion is that drives her. You guys are going to love this. Uh, Years ago, I was introduced to Rebecca's work when someone gave me her book, Standing Up to Goliath. And I was on my way to a conference where I was speaking on education sitting at, you know, next to my husband on an airplane. And I'm telling you what, I was so fired up, you guys. I'm reading this book. I'm underlining. I'm earmarking. I'm highlighting. And I mean, I'm hiding like a crazy woman. And my husband was like, Heidi, what are you reading? I'm like, look at this. I mean, we know we're sitting in like oh, probably business class or something. And I'm pulling on my husband's jacket. I'm like, you got to read this, read this right now. And I finally got so upset I had to put the book down <laughs> because this woman is straight fire. And she understands what is happening in our schools because she was a teacher for 28 years in the public schools. She was forced to fund unions whose politics and divisive tactics degraded her profession, our schools, and our national character. And she ended up filing a lawsuit, Fredericks versus the California Teachers Association. She met with 10 other teachers, and it was argued before the Supreme Court in January of 2016. This is a fantastic story. You guys are going to love her as much as I do. Rebecca, welcome to the show. It is an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the the honor is truly mine. I, I want to jump right into this because like you just heard me say when I introduced you, I read your book and I was like, this is straight fire. Like, why aren't you on Fox News every single night? Never mind. Why aren't you on MSNBC every single night of the week uh, talking about what's happening in our schools? Because it really is tragic. So uh, so let's let's start right there because I want to find out about what you know what drove you to uh, to file a lawsuit and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. That's a story in and of itself. Well, what drove me is I was forced to fund so-called teacher unions, who, by the way, are neither teachers nor are they you. Know, they claim to represent teachers, but they don't, and they're not a traditional union. They're really an education mafia. And here I was forced as a condition of employment to fund them. I watched as bad teachers would abuse children and they wouldn't lose their jobs because the union would defend them. I watched as good teachers would be falsely accused and lose their jobs or be harassed. I, I watched as children were being you know, you know, we went from having this incredible um, American educational system with phonics and the classics, and we had the the uh, Ten Commandments on the wall in every classroom. We were we were great because we were good, as Alexis de Tocqueville said. And it started in our schools. And I watched as this education mafia literally plowed through our educational system using my name, teacher, using my profession, using money they forced me to pay them to literally destroy our educational system, our children, attack our families and our faith and everything else. So, you know, through my entire career, I knew they were a problem and I kept trying to push back in different ways. But about halfway into my career, I realized, my goodness, since I have to 
pay them as a condition of employment, I'm going to step up and come a, become a union representative. And I'm going to get on come the on. inside and I'm going to try to change things from the inside because none of my friends agreed with the nonsense that was going on. They couldn't figure out that it was the union behind it all. They knew there was a problem. So I become a union rep. I did that for three years and I served uh, in the, on the executive board in my local and I'd go to state level uh, leadership meetings. And that's when I saw the demonic agenda inside the National Education Association, the California Teacher Association, all the government, uh, quote, teacher unions, the education mafia, everything they were doing was pushing the LGBTQ agenda, transgenderizing our kids. Uh, they're for open borders, defunding police. They're for abolishing ICE. They hate Trump. They hate anything good. They hate charter schools. You name it. If it's something that's good for our kids in our country, the unions are literally attacking it. So I saw that from the inside. I also got bullied on the inside, as did my friends who had the courage to stand up. So after that experience of being a, a union rep and realizing I couldn't change things from the inside, um, I decided to start writing editorials to expose them for who they really are. And that was a journey really through my Bible study where the Lord was putting it on my heart to, to use my writing for his glory. And I'm reading the newspaper one day and I read this horrible editorial about how amazing the teachers unions are. It was like the hundredth time I've read one of these. And I said to my husband, this is a lie. This is all a lie. And he said, write a rebuttal. And I said, okay. And I went to my computer, wrote a rebuttal. And you know, uh, John Q. Adams said, duty is ours, results are God's. I had no idea how to submit an editorial. I didn't even know how long an editorial was supposed to be. I read them, but I didn't know the details. But the Lord asked me to do it, so I did it. The duty was mine. And the results were up to him. I didn't think the thing would ever be published. It was not only published in the paper to which I submitted it, the Orange County Register, but it was picked up all over the nation by different online um, sites. And within six months of my first editorial, I found myself with this opportunity to serve as lead plaintiff in a seminal federal lawsuit suing National Education Association and California Teachers Association and my local and my superintendent, nothing personal, but superintendents allow the unions to collect dues through paycheck deductions. So we, the people and our tax dollars are literally collecting dues for these private organizations that are destroying our republic and handing the money over to them. So we sued them too. And our case was heard at the U.S. Supreme Court in 2016. And we blazed the trail for ending forced unionism for every teacher and every government employee in the United States of America. No one has to pay them anymore. And so now it is my mission in life to do two things, get as many people out of the unions as possible, government unions, and number two, make the government unions illegal again. They have no business in our schools or our agencies or institutions. They're destroying us. And just, you know, FYI, the CDC is unionized. You wonder why they're corrupt. <laughs> so that's, that's the short story. Well, I, I'm I'm t taking notes like crazy over here because there's so many things that you said that I I want to highlight. I love that you call the the unions the education mafia uh, because that's exactly what they are. I know a lot of teachers. I've had many teachers on my show here over the years who are like, "Listen, we don't even like this junk," but they're they're forcing it into the classroom. And now you can see all these woke teachers. And you'd said something in the pre-show that I, I want to highlight. And you were talking about the fact that these are not they're not even real teachers. The people that are, are hosting these unions, uh, I've said many years, you know, we've got teachers or activists really disguised as teachers 
And they have infiltrated the schools to the point where the schools are literally suffocating under the weight of it. And I think sometimes I can come across because I mean, my heart is to protect these children, right? You see what's happening to these kids. They're starting to come in. The, uh, we've got rapid onset gender dysphoria now. They're skyrocketed. The percentages are, are off the chart. We've got suicide in the schools. We've got the schools uh, putting kids on hormone blockers against their parents' wishes. And this is all over the, the country. And I'm telling people that. I said, if you have a union representative in your school, I guarantee you this is in your school. I guarantee it. Is that true? 100% true. So the Education Mafia, a.k.a. Teacher Union, uh, they are the drivers, the money. They're the lobbying force. They're writing the laws. They are the ones that are pushing this entire demonic agenda onto our children and into our country, as are many of the other government unions. So you have, you know, you do have another government job, you're paying a union, you're likely funding this same agenda. So what teachers need to realize is, you know, we've been hijacked. And, you know, like you said, they're in disguise. I always say they're masquerading. So what the unions do is they literally go into schools and they they hand select people. You'd be a good teacher. You'd be a good teacher because they're broken spirits or they're already LGBTQ or whatever. And they bring these people in, totally propagandize them, and then they plop them in the schools. People like myself who were called to be a teacher, I knew from sixth grade that I was supposed to be a teacher. My husband knew from like fifth grade he was supposed to be a teacher. He taught 42 years. And by the way, we'd both still be teaching if it wasn't so corrupt. Um, but those kind of people, those wonderful teachers, and the majority of teachers are good honest, hardworking people who care deeply about the children, but we have no voice. Why did we lose our voice? Because the union came in and the union captured us and they literally hijacked our profession and forced us to pay them. Those unions collect billions with a B annually tax-free. They spend it all on pushing a communist agenda into our schools, into our country. Every problem you see in this country I don't care if it's inside the schools or outside the schools. We have a um, election fraud in this country. The so-called teacher unions are behind that. How do I know? Because they're for mail-in ballots only and they're for no voter ID. That always leads to election fraud. Why would a teacher yep. union be involved with that? So we, we have a hard time getting the people we vote for into office, and that's causing all kinds of nightmares in America. Uh, and it's 100% the fault of these unions. So the sooner that good and honest teachers and caring parents and pastors and community members realize how evil these unions are. And I'm going to call them evil. I'm going to call them demonic. And I'm not afraid to call them that because I've seen their behavior. I've seen what they do to children. The Bible says that if you bring harm to a little one, you deserve a millstone to be tied around your neck and thrown in the deepest sea. There's a lot of these union leaders who deserve millstones around their neck. And I pray every day for their repentance, that they would stop, that they would come to know the Lord and that they would expose what's going on. But this is evil, an evil agenda. And if you're still funding a union, you are complicit in all of this. Or if you know someone funding a union, most people don't realize they've been freed from funding these government unions. Why? Because the unions control most of the media. So it's really hard for, like you said, I should be on MSNBC every day. They're controlled. They're, you know, they're, they're a, a, a mouthpiece of the Communist Party. So yep. I'm not going to yep. be able to get the message out there. So we need help from every single patriot, every single godly person out there to stand up. And I, I'll teach you later how to do it. Um, that, and, and just to get your arms around teachers and other government employees and tell them you don't have to pay them anymore. And we help them free of charge to get out of these unions. 
so important what you're doing. I think it's also uh, right to note that, and I've said this before, and I'd love to hear your comments on it, but the American Library Association is as corrupt as the National Educators Association. These are the people that are pushing these disgusting books out into the uh, out into the the places where your little ones can stumble across them. These are the people that will not put the book binding warnings on the books. So they'll do it for faith-based books. All right. You know, you get a faith-based book in your public library and on the spine of that book, there's going to be a little cross. If it's a mystery, there's going to be a little like a little icon. But if it's a book about sexual indoctrination, if it's a book about homosexuality, if it's a book about transgenderism, those books are not labeled. And therefore, kids are reading these books and, they, and the parents don't even know they picked them up. Yeah. It, it, look, it's an evil agenda. Number one. Not one of those books should be in our library. No child should Come have on. access to that kind of a book. What kind of a twisted mind would put that kind of a book into a library? But you are 100% right that the Library Association, not most librarians. Look, I have a lot of friends who are librarians. They are the most conservative people I know, even the way they dress. Like some, <laughs> Dude. Of, I mean, some of them still have beehive hairdos. I mean, they're just conservative. But they've been captured. They've been taken over and they mm-hmm. don't realize it's their union. See, this is what the unions do. They say all these problems, this is all the fault of the of the legislators. It's all the fault of your administrator. They're the bad those guys. Those right wing radicals, those yeah, Christians, yeah. those people pushing faith down your throat. Yeah, yeah those and guys. You want to know what? The unions are too clever to say that to a teacher or a librarian because they know most of us are people of faith or we're conservative people. And so they say it in a twisted way. Oh, all these bad things are going on. That's the fault of your administrator. That's the fault of the legislator. But what they don't tell these people is they put your legislator in office and they're the ones that put your school board into office and who hires your superintendent. Anthony so the, Weiner comes oh to mind. Goodness. Oh my God. He is so aptly named. Such an, he's an evil person. That Very is evil. an evil, evil man. Yeah. Very evil yeah, man. And I'm true. stuck with him in my state. <laughs> I know you are. Well, that's okay. I got Jay. I got uh, Jay Inslee over here. I got the criminal running my whole state. I, I Yeah. I, and the unions put them into office. There is so much that I want to I want to uh, talk to you about, because, like I said, I, I'm a super fan and I I think I maintain it. It really does take courage to stand up to these people. It takes courage to speak the truth. You know, I've been thinking lately. I'm like, I'm going to make a T-shirt. Danielle, write this down. I'm going to make a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I want to say it's the gospel and because for so long we've decided it's the gospel or it needs to be the gospel and the gospel and. Uh, politics, the gospel and education, the gospel and medicine. God's people need to be in every sphere of influence. And you you jumped, I mean, right into the lion's den. You got yourself uh, testifying before the Supreme Court. But that there were some amazing and bizarre things that happened uh, in that case. Can you tell us a little bit? Tell leaders. I, I read the book, but a lot of people here and you guys, if you haven't uh, picked it up yet, run out and buy it. Standing up to Goliath, it's going to make your blood boil as as it should rightly. But tell uh, listeners really quickly about that case and what are some of the the crazy things that happened during the arguing of that case? Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. So first of all, our lawyers were genius, brilliant, and they knew that what we were trying to do was overturn a, a former precedent at the Supreme Court. We were trying to overturn a case called Abood versus Detroit Board of Education from 1977. That case is what forced everybody to pay union dues as a condition of employment. So we were trying to overturn that. It's very hard to overturn a precedent. So they told the local courts and the, um, uh, the um, oh gosh, the Circuit Court of Appeals, they told them, look, you can't rule in favor of our of our plaintiffs because you can't rule against the Supreme Court. Just let us go. 
unbelievably by God's grace, even the unions agreed to that. We got through the local courts in, I think it was eight months, and we got through the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in eight or nine months, the most corrupt circuit court. Dude, you got through the... Well, the fact that you got through the Ninth Circuit Court at all. I mean, those those those, those guys skin decent people alive for fun. Oh, for sure. And they just ruled against us, right? Oh, just send it up to the court, Supreme Court. And the unions are so stinking prideful. They were just certain that the Supreme Court was never going to take our case. And they did. So the Supreme Court heard our case um, on January 11th, 2016. That was the most incredible day. Our, our swing vote was Justice Scalia. He was the guy we had to convince. He used my talking points from the bench, as did Kennedy. They, it was clear that we had a majority of the court and we were going to win with a five to four decision. The most amazing part was the um, uh, Kamala Harris was attorney general of California at that time. <laughs> she intervened. The, oh, my goodness. She intervened the entire state of California against 10 teachers. And then the Obama Biden administration intervened the entire United States of America against 10 teachers, all Christians, by the way. So we knew we were David versus Goliath, which gave us hope because David won. We knew we were on the right side. And so we they, literally their side had three solicitor generals. California State Solicitor General, the United States Solicitor General, and then the union attorney arguing against us. And we had our attorney on our side from Jones Day. Amazing guy, Michael Carvin. We're praying, we have people praying worldwide, thwart their plan, thwart their evil plan. These three together, thwart their plan. Oh my goodness, they were like bozos up there, bumping into each other. And you cannot believe it, but like 20 minutes into the arguments, they, Justice Scalia said it. He said, what these teachers are trying to say is that everything the unions do is political. Even collective bargaining is political is. in the public sector because you're using public monies to, you know, and the teachers are being paid by public monies. Their dues are public monies. And you might not get a park or whatever because of this decision and this collective bargaining. It's 100% political. And the other side agreed. They agreed that we were right. They actually conceded. This is straight into the Old Testament. Oh, it was. They conceded to our argument. And you're not allowed to say a word in the Supreme Court. You can't have your sunglasses on your head. You can't have your phone. You can't have anything with you. You can't say anything or they'll kick you out. But when they admitted we were right, the whole, all the audience in the court collectively, <gasps> all of us, just we couldn't help ourselves. It was unreal. So we knew we won. Even the New York Times admitted we won. Papers in Israel were writing how we won. Everyone knew we won. So how the Supreme Court works is they hear your case. That day they vote. It's a private vote. Nobody gets to see it. Somebody's elected to write the decision. Alito was our guy. Alito's working on the decision. One month after our case was heard, Justice Scalia dies a very mysterious death. And just so you can understand, um, well, first of all, a dead man's vote doesn't count at the United States Supreme Court. So because the written decision hadn't come down yet and they hadn't sat in the court to read the decision, we lost Scalia's vote. So we knew we we're going to get a four to four tie unless God comes in and, and makes some kind of a, a miracle. But what was amazing was throughout the whole case, the number one question people asked me was, because I was lead plaintiff, my face was out there, I was the target. Number one question, are you afraid for your life? So I'm going to stop you right there because I'm out of time and I'm, I'm leaving everybody hanging. You come back tomorrow and, and I'm, I'm going to let you finish the story because it really is. The book is amazing. Your story is amazing. It's, ama it's an amazing story of God's intervention and the incredible spiritual warfare. I'd love to finish this tomorrow. Would you come back? 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. You guys, I hope you're on the edge of your seat because I am. I'm leaving you on the edge today. I'm doing it on purpose. Come back tomorrow. And Rebecca's going to give you the rest of the story because what you need to hear is what God did in the in light of all this. She's absolutely right. The mysterious death, still mysterious to this day, of Justice Scalia. So many things happening in this country that are really being driven by demonic forces. The Bible says that Satan has power here. He's the prince of the power of the air. And we are doing battle right now with the enemy of our souls. And she's going to highlight this for you. If you want more information on my guest today, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. And please run out and buy her book, Standing Up to Goliath. We're going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. But uh, Rebecca and her husband, Charles, are also Christ followers. And they have founded For Kids and Country. And they're educating and empowering Americans to abandon these corrupt unions so we can restore the republic. Come back tomorrow. And if you are a subscriber, stick around for happy hour. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.